0: I was out, Lee preached, Um, I don't have to wonder whether Lee gave you the word, I know that he does. Um, I was in a wedding, uh, at a wedding, I was um, at my cousin's wedding, it was in uh, Indiana, and I was, it was at a Catholic church, and um, it was like a, it was a semi-Catholic wedding They didn't administer uh, the sacraments. Um, but I was sitting there and all my Protestant fibers in my body were just kind of going off because it was it was surrounded by um, um, statues. The whole place was just covered in statues and I'm not used to having statues in when I worship And I was thinking to myself you know you can actually you can gather what Catholics believe just by looking at, their place of worship. Um, and you just go through, and you, for instance, the, the, the biggest one is nine times out of ten in the Catholic, because I grew up in a, in a very heavily Catholic uh, city. Um, nine times out of ten, in my experience, the pulpit is to the side, it's not in the middle. What is in the middle is the Eucharist. That is the center of Catholic worship. It is not the Word, it is the it is the, the bread which they believe turns into the body of Christ. The other one was when you look, it is not Christ at the top, it's Mary at the top. And you go through, and in the stained glass windows, they tell the story as they believe it. In the stained glass window goes birth, death, resurrection, ascension, assumption. You left that one out in your Protestant Bible, and maybe they believe that Mary is assumed. Um, you cannot tell me Catholics and Protestants believe the same thing. That is ludicrous. Um, it, 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 not, we don't have time to talk about critiquing Catholic theology. My point of that is, if someone walks into Haynes Creek, if they only have an hour with us, I think we would do a... A fairly good job, or it should be our goal to let them know what we're about. And when they walk in, they know that we're not big on decoration. (laughs) They know that we don't have a lot of money, probably. But we have people come up and we read this thing. And then we read it again. And then we preach it again so that by the time someone leaves, they go, I guess those people think that what's in that book is important. And sadly, a lot of churches you can leave and not ever have really gathered that. This is why we're here. The Word. God's Word. This is the Bible. We believe that it is without error. We believe that it's absolutely authoritative. We believe that it's God-breathed. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. We base our lives on it. We believe that everything in this book, is contained in this book, is right for, to, to have us grow as mature Christians. And I was just reminded of that. We take for granted, I don't know how many times we, you all have gone into a Catholic cathedral, and I don't want to just pick on Catholics, but There's so much different there than the way that we structure our service. And it's not about we're better than them. It's about we should gather every single Sunday and we should make the first things first. We should make what's important most important. And that is preaching the word, singing the word, praying the word, fellowshipping around the word. Um, And I want to commend... Haines Creek, I think Cain's Creek, I think we are a people of the word, I'm not saying we're a perfect church, um, but I, 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 when I left, I had no doubt in my mind that, that Lee was going to preach the word, uh, and that we were going to, uh, to be people of the word. This morning, we're in Genesis chapter 4, if you want to turn there, Cain and Abel, you know, it's funny, in, in Genesis, every single story is a classic story. Genesis is, it it really is, I think, probably the most famous book in the Bible because it all begins here. Every single story, if you know the Bible at all, you can't go one chapter without reading a classic story um, that we should all know very well. If you don't, then you'll have a chance to read it this morning. Cain and Abel. Uh, Before we start, I wanted to um, give us one idea here, and that is that sin is vertical. Wow, Johnny on the spot. Well done. (laughs) Sin is vertical and horizontal. It ruins our relationship with God, and it destroys our relationships with one another. I'm going to read that one more time. Sin is vertical and horizontal. It ruins our relationship with God, and destroys our relationship with one another. When Adam and Eve sin, what happens? They hide from God, and they blame one another. When God curses Adam and Eve, He does what? He sends them out of the garden... And then he curses them and he says, Eve, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Meaning, you will not submit willingly and his authority isn't going to be kind. Sin is vertical and horizontal. Here's the good news. Christianity is vertical and horizontal. Our relationship with Christ affects our relationship with others. Our relationship with others affects our relationship with Christ. A lot of people forget that second one. A lot of people, are, hey, it's just me and God. I don't need anybody else. Certainly, don't need the church. Yeah, nah, nah, not so fast. Our relationship with Christ affects our relationship with others. Our relationship with others affects our relationship with Christ. If I'm not being fed by the Word of God and I'm not fellowshipping and in um, communion with God's people, I'm a bad husband, a bad father, and a bad friend. And when I'm not in community with others, my faith suffers. Last week, Lee preached about the curse. This week, we're going to look at how sin destroys the relationship between the first two brothers in the world, Cain and Abel. If you're not used to uh, worshiping with us, what we do every week is we stand for the reading of God's Word. So if you'll stand, we're going to read the whole chapter of Genesis chapter 4. There's no way to break it down. You've got to read it all. Here we go. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was the keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face falling? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? I love how God asks questions he already knows. He said, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mahugiel, and Mahugiel fathered Methusiel, and Methusiel fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name of the other, Zillah. Adah bore Jab- Jabal, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who played the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of brawn and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lemox is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And at the time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, sin is a heinous thing. It's evil. And only one chapter after the fall, brother is killing brother. Only four chapters since the beginning of the Bible, brother is killing brother. Father, the most intimate relationships, the best relationships, the most good relationships that you made have been distorted, they've been broken. But Father, Jesus has come to restore us to a right relationship with you. He has come to reconcile us with you by his own blood. Father, when we read this passage this morning, call to mind the work of Christ, which made us and turned us from little canes into little Christs. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen. Amen. Other than my wife, I think my best friend in the world is my brother, um, He's my closest friend. Um, he lives in Birmingham. Life happens. You don't spend as much time with your family as you do, um, as you once did, but my brother is still uh, very close. We are 17 months apart. We were two grades apart, which I think was good looking back. Um, we shared the same room until the seventh grade. Um, I don't know that I've also fought with anyone like I fought with my brother. That's what brothers do. Um, but I can still recall the only time in my life I was jealous of my brother. I was jealous one time. I mean, if you're talking about like he stole the toy or he got a Christmas present, whatever, yeah. I'm talking about really jealous. Um, I was a sophomore at the University of Kentucky, and I uh, wasn't doing really well. Um, we, I think we've hatched that one. Uh, many times. Um, But Grant was doing really good. Uh, I was lost and in sin. I was a bad student. I was a bad person. Um, And I was just kind of on my own. I left the small pond and I was in a big lake. We know how that story goes. Grant was still in the small pond and he was just killing it. Um, My brother was valedictorian. He was captain of the football team. He ended up going to Yale and I looked back, and every, when I came home, everybody had everything great to say about Grant. And uh, I didn't like that. Um, and I remember just mom and dad just gushing over Grant. And they didn't have a lot to say about me, and looking back, there really wasn't a lot to say about me. Um, and I think it was also a moral thing. Like, I just felt like I was a bad person, uh, and he was a good guy. And I was supposed to be the big brother. You know, when I left, man, I was, hmm, you know. It wasn't that anymore. And uh, my heart was filled with so much jealousy and enmity and coveting. I I just didn't want to go home. Um, And I remember for the first time just really being angry with him. And really for no other reason than I just didn't like that God was blessing him. Um... And how, how my love for him now, I, I'm so, so ashamed of that. Um, but I was reading Galatians chapter 5 verse 20. I'm going to read Galatians chapter 5 verse 20. I'm going to read all these things off. I had every one of these in my heart except for one, and that was sorcery. I, I didn't commit sorcery in college. Um, at least I don't think that I did. Um, and this is what verse 20 says idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, division, and envy. That was me. I had it all. And I thank, I thank God in some ways, because now, now that I've had it in my heart, I know that in part it always kind of resides in me a little bit. Those are the very same things that Cain had in his heart in Genesis chapter 4. Abel makes an acceptable offering. Cain does not. And he's looking over to Abel being like, my boy's getting love from God. And I'm not. I don't like that. Therefore, Cain gets what? He gets angry. His face falls, as as Scripture says. And God even explains to him, look, if you work diligently, you do well, your offering will be accepted. If you don't, you're going to fall into sin. This is actually God giving Cain the law. Here he says, this is kind of what he tells Cain real quick. Hold on. (coughs) Is Is it up there? I'm not sure if it is or not. Uh, there it, there it is. God gives Cain a law. Work hard. Work for me, not just for yourself. Work for my glory. Be on your guard against sin. So we shouldn't read this passage and go, Oh, poor Cain. He didn't have his offering accepted. It was his own fault. Whatever happened, whatever offering was before God, it wasn't honoring to God. He was either... Cain either worked the ground for his own self, worked the ground for his own pride... Whatever it was, God saw that it was not good and said, You're not working for the right reasons. And rather than heed God's commands, Cain does what? He kills his brother. There is no more striking example in the entire Bible of the tendency of sin to destroy human relationships than the fact that in the world's first pair of brothers, one killed the other. That's how sin, that's how bad sin is. There is no Coincidence here in Genesis chapter 4 that by the very, like the fourth chapter in the Bible, someone is killing somebody. It didn't take them that long. Every single family, here's something to think about every single family since Adam's has been infect, infected by sin jealousy, selfishness, pride, covetousness, anger, envy, faithlessness. Your family deals with every one of those. <laughs> We must not read Genesis chapter 4 and be like, Cain was an awful guy, at least I've never killed my brother. You can't do that. Because what what was the problem to begin with? His offering was not acceptable, and he had anger, he had divisiveness, he had envy, he had pride, he had selfishness in his heart. I don't personally know of a family where one brother killed the other, thankfully. But I do know families that don't talk to one another. Raise your hand. I'm just kidding. You didn't say that. <laughs> where parents are divorced. Where one brother goes to church and the rest of the church is like, eh, he's, he's the spiritual one, he's going to do that, not for me. I know families where there are wounds because of things that people did, but no one wants to talk about them anymore, so what they do is they just don't talk. I know families where someone said something or did something, and then this happened. They're going to do their thing. I'm going to do mine. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Man, you are good with those things. He knows it. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. I'm my brother's keeper. This is the very first instance in the Bible of sass. That's sass. He's sassing God. We've gone four chapters in the Bible. They already learned how to sass God. Hey, Abel, what are you doing? I oh, don't know, you ain't my problem. If I were God, I'd be like, I've only made four of you. <laughs> You've already pulled off sass now. My goodness, he's there's the third one. The third one that rolled off the line is already sassing me. <coughs> Sin, here's something to think about. Sin isn't just about hatred or envy. It's about spiritual negligence and apathy. You're not my problem. God's will is for brother to sharpen brother and for one brother to encourage the other in their obedience to God. Cain's like, I I don't care. It's not my problem anymore. Most families today have some kind of Cain-like attitude when it comes to taking care of the souls of their family. If I were to go up to someone and be like, hey, how's your brother's soul right now? I think a lot of people would be like, my brother's soul? Oh, man, he goes to church, I think. That's his walk. it's not mine. You heard that one before? Raise your hand if you've ever heard someone go, um, you ask somebody about how they're doing, they're like, i mean, ask their personal walk with God, not mine. Raise your hand. we kind of got a Cain-like attitude. I don't know, am my, I my, 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 my brother's pastor now? I don't know. Ask his priest. I mean, he's. I think he goes to church. He's a good guy. God, that's a complete misunderstanding of sin and salvation. God redeems us. He restores us. He sanctifies us. Through people. When we walk with Christ in faith, we walk with a family. When we relegate the, the faith of our family, when we relegate someone's walk with God to just a private sphere, we start to kind of act like Cain a little bit. I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Do you notice how everyone in Genesis 3 and 4 is kind of shirking responsibility? You notice that? Adam, what did you do? I, mean, I don't know, it was her fault. and You gave her to me. Eve, what did you do? Satan's fault. Cain? Am I my brother's keeper? Nobody wants to take responsibility. Do you see how sin in the garden, man is responsible for everything, and he's like, bring it on. By Genesis 4, be like, I don't care. Get off me, God. When a family is centered on God's will, hear me now, when a family is centered on God's will, everyone is concerned about the spiritual well being of everyone. And when a family is in unrepentant sin, when they are lost, when they are blinded to the glory of God, everybody's in their own lane. And part of Cain's punishment is isolation. Look, verse 12. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. That that stings. If you know what Eden is like, think about it, none of us have seen Eden, but if you had ever seen Eden, if you had grown up with a dad and a mom who were telling you stories about what it was like to actually walk with God in the cool of the day, if you lived in that time, and now he says, get out. That's got to hurt. I would imagine that Adam and Eve raised Cain and Abel with stories about Genesis 1 and 2. Hey, Mommy, Dad, tell us that story again about creation. Daddy, tell us that story again about how you woke up and there was Mommy. Daddy, tell us that story about how everything was yours. Daddy, tell us what it was like to walk with God. Daddy, tell us what it was like to reign on the earth. All right, if you'll go to bed, I'll tell you. And now, by Genesis 4, he says, Cain, get out. You're going to be a fugitive now. You're a wanderer. You know, we live in that world today. We are no longer in Eden. We're spiritually wandering. We're searching for happiness. We're all isolated. We're alone. We're strangers. We're all searching for happiness and fulfillment and satisfaction. I was talking to a guy last year. (coughs) <coughs> tells me he goes, get, he goes to get coffee with his best friend every week. And I said, does uh, he believe it? He's like, this is what his response was. He goes, I mean, I think he goes to the Methodist church. Uh, I don't know. We really don't talk about God. Best friend meets every week. We, act, we live in a world now where you can pass off a good, best relationship and you don't talk about your creator or your savior. That's his problem. That's his walk. I'm not my best friend's keeper, is what he said. We live east of Eden. We wander. Verse 26. Here's the most staggering, the very last thing. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. People have gone from walking with God to crying out for God. By the end of chapter 4, people are, are crying out, Help me, God! By the very... By the end of chapter 4, just four chapters into the Bible, people have already begun to figure out that they need a Savior. Sinners are already crying out for a gospel by Genesis chapter 4. And as Lee showed us last week, the good news is that immediately after the fall, Jesus is God is already announcing a, a rescue plan. He's already announcing his plans to redeem the earth and to send in a second Adam. Here's something to think about. Jesus was not plan B. Jesus was plan A. <clears throat> Jesus was a plan from the beginning. God didn't mess up. God didn't panic and be like, oh my goodness, I didn't think Adam was going to do Hold on. Um, God the Son, get over here. We're going we're to make you into a human. No, that was not what happened. From the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is what they wanted to happen. This was for God's glory. This was for the for the majesty of God to be displayed. And by Genesis chapter 3, God says, You're cursed, but I'm going to fix it. And here's something cool. God's plan is to send Jesus to do what's, what Cain would not. Cain's offering wasn't acceptable to God. Christ's offering is acceptable. Cain did not keep God's command. Christ kept all of them. Cain murdered his own brother. Christ was murdered for his brothers. Next. Cain asked, am I my brother's keeper? Christ said, go tell my brothers. Cain complained about his punishment. Christ took our punishment. Cain was cast out as a fugitive east of Eden. Christ suffered outside the camp. Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Christ is the fullness of deity. Cain made his own brother an enemy. Christ makes his enemies his brother's. Christ is undoing everything Cain tried to do. How great is our God? When Jesus finds us, we are like Cain. We are offering up unacceptable, dirty, filthy rags, offerings that will mean nothing to God, trying to muster our own, our own righteousness before the Lord, trying to live lives that are worthy of Him. We can't do it. We are jealous, we're envious, we're covetous, we're angry, we're bitter, we're idolaters. And Jesus Christ suffered and died in our place so that our offerings could be counted acceptable to God. Christ not only redeems us from the curse of Adam, He also restores our relationships. Here's, here, here's a way to, to look at the church. Cain and Abel were brothers turned enemies. The church is a body of enemies turned brothers. We have been reconciled to God and to one another by the blood of Jesus. When we cry out to Jesus for salvation, we cry out for a new life, for a new hope, for a new family. And Jesus transforms us from little Cain's to little Christ's. I wanted to end with this. In heaven, when I die, or Jesus returns, when I walk in, I think I'll have legs or whatever I'm doing. Maybe I'm floating. In heaven, I will be just as excited to see Augustine, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Owen, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Spurgeon, John Bunyan, Charles Hodge, B.B. Warfield, Martin Lloyd-Jones, as I will be to see my own grandkids, my own grandparents, my own children, even my own wife. Just as excited. Because I will no longer be in my family, I will be in God's family. And I'll be bonded to them, not by my own blood, but by whose? Christ's. And I'll be worshiping the Lamb, not my name. Heaven is not a place for earthly family reunions. It is a place where Cain's and Abel's finally come together, reconciled by the cross, and they can finally be called sons of God, not sons of Adam. Today in Oxford, Georgia, we still live outside of Eden. But there is a new Eden. There is a new garden. There is a new Adam, and we know his name. His name is Jesus Christ. There is no way back to Eden except through him this morning if you have not repented of your sins, you have not cast your faith and your trust and your hope in him. I call you to do that this morning. Let's pray. Father, we're like little canes. We're like little, angry, jealous, envious canes whose offerings are not acceptable to you on our own. But Father, thanks to the second Adam, thanks to his work, thanks to his righteousness, thanks to his accomplishments on the cross, because it is finished We can lift up holy hands this morning. We can worship you and you can say, well done. Father, it's because of the work of Jesus that we are your children. Not for Cain's, not Adam's, not Eve's, not Abel's, not Seth's, not Enoch's. Jesus. The name above all names. That is the name we cry, holy, holy, holy this morning. Amen.